I'm just sort of constantly amazed, surprised, delighted, horrified um, about, you know, about people walking around with huge heavy face tattooing. And if you think about that, um, you know, Omi was doing it in the 1930s. And a lot of a lot of the people we'll move on to next as we talk about um, an inspiration um are actually paying attention to Omi because photos of him he was he was very famous um right the way through till the late 1940s he was um you know performed in circuses all across America he performed in variety halls in 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 France and was just yeah just very very visible photos of him were published in magazines and circulated in the tattoo community so Omi is this real kind of like touch point um there are uh, then essentially we're moving into kind of the 50s and 60s and we're thinking about California as always. Mm-hmm. Um, a large proportion of this and a key figure as we touched upon a bit and when we mentioned this in our last episode is the work of Fakim Mushafar. Mm-hmm. Um, the modern primitives up- movement. Yeah. Um, so Mushafar, um, as you'll hear um, when Tom edits and puts out Tom, uh, Paul's talk on this. Um, I'm doing it today. I'm doing it doing today. It today. Well, it'd be a good companion piece for this. Um, he grew up um, in in uh, in this one of the Dakotas, South Dakota, I think I'm right in saying, and found himself as a young boy drawn particularly to kind of National Geographic magazines mm-hmm. right to these magazines which had a very kind of colonial late colonial um like tone to them where, where, where european photographers anthropologists uh, would go out into the into the sort of far-flung corners of the world and take photographs of quote-unquote tribal people people who live in traditional and indigenous ways and that it often included tattooing mm-hmm. um uh, uh, Roland Loomis, as he was known at the time, he was born in 1930, so he's a sort of teenager during World War II, and he's buying these books and, and, and buying these magazines and seeing all of these um, practices, and he ends up essentially wanting to copy them. Um, and, and I'm sort of we can't we could spend a, a whole episode on on him, and perhaps we'll do. Uh, but as I said, Paul covers his life story in mm. a lot of detail. But essentially, to cut a long story short, over the course of the 1930s, uh, sorry, over the course of the 1940s and 50s uh, into the 60s he begins to develop initially basically on his own in the sort of pr- privacy of his own garage these practices um all these these series practices which combine um everything from tattooing to piercing to body suspension to um what are called sun dances some sort, of, sort of versions of uh, uh things taken from native american rituals um and combines them initially uh, as he sort of reveals himself to the world as this character performer fakir mushafar in the early 70s as as what he calls modern primitivism mm-hmm. right and so um there had been you know there there'd been other tattoo artists and other other tattoo collectors also inspired by those same things before him. Perhaps the most interesting of them, again, someone we're going to talk about on the show at a separate moment in time, is um, this German guy called Albert um, Albrecht Becker, mm-hmm. uh, who had been who tattooed himself like extensively um, as a gay man in Berlin 
and had some uh, you know, black work Borneo rose designs mm. um, on his on his collarbones and eventually ended up basically tattooing his entire body black like he t- tattooing was part of his kind of sexual practice as a mm-hmm. sexual sexually submissive gay man and, and he, it's it's something as well that I'll come back to later in the episode when we're talking about the revival of this style as well yeah and Be- beck is like absolutely amazing he was um he was like imprisoned by the nazis and you know um became this like absolute kind of inspiration to 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 berlin gay scenes to the to the tattoo world etc when when his work was um, revealed he's an incredible artist as well very interesting photographer but loads of his tattooing begins as direct appropriation of things that he's seen in in magazines um of of black work and then and then becomes much more extensive as time goes on but we really but 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 yeah mushafar is i think our kind of first key figure here basically because it's around him that a lot of the this stuff is made visible to the world um eventually through this book modern primitives which came out in 1989 although um uh, although in earlier versions as well um and it's also through which a lot of the rhetoric around this became quite ossified in the public imagination i've written about this um a long time ago um i mentioned again on our samuel stewart episode um that sammy wrote about this in the early 90s like very early 90s just after the book came out that he found <laughs> the kind of representation of, of 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 all of these variety of different practices under the banner of primitive was quite problematic for all kinds of reasons but you know different times um Mushafar didn't tattoo himself. He has this huge back piece done by a, um, a, an artist called Dave Slack. And yeah, I think like it is the coming together of this kind of late hippie, post hippie California version of cultural, you know, um, kind of new age stuff, I guess we might call it now, with this kind of personal fascination of Mushafar's with um anthropological photography mm-hmm. um which which starts to kind of yeah bring together certainly for the public audience this idea of, of of black work and certainly the publication of modern primitives which came out in 1989 became an enormous enormous influence all around the world for a whole generation of people the book mm-hmm. is super interesting again we haven't got time to go into it in detail but there's loads of figures in there um many of whom aren't really describable as modern primitives at all. Ed Hardy features, for example, uh, in the book. um, uh, Lyle Tuttle features in the book. Um, Various other people who aren't, you know, part of this, obviously Mm. part of this heading of modern primitives are in the book. Most of the writing about the book actually focuses on on Mushafar himself and doesn't really pay attention to the complexity and the interesting kind of diversity that's within... Mm-hmm. And I think as well at this time when you're talking about moving out of the kind of post hippie era of like the late 60s early 70s I would argue you know the hippie era ended in 1975 with the withdrawal from Saigon but yeah um you have this growing fascination and I call this you know um, like a, a postmodern fascination with the primitive that like we culturally have conquered the world everything has been discovered and it's this weird Western cultural chauvinism obsession with the primitive as this kind of 
more authentic way of living and you see that through you know the growth and po- popularity partially the responsible for the growth of popularity of stuff like national geographic that is exposing day-to-day people to these far reaches of the world where people are kind of kind of living out of step with time yeah and in fact you know there's lots of sociology and anthropology on that exact question that, that, that after times of conflict there is a kind of often an upswing of um uh, you know beliefs in in magic and spiritualism like we're even seeing it now post covid and post pandemic with 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 rise of interest in the occult and witches and astrology and there is a kind of you know, sort of nostalgic yearning for a simpler time which 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 pre-modern societies get to kind of stand in problematically as as avatars for i mean um the modern primitive book came out in 1989 um chronicling i it has been called a movement the modern primitives i've argued that i don't think there really was a movement of modern primitives i think there was a few people that fucking mushafar knew um who self-identified as modern primitives but then there were a lot of people who found the stuff interesting and copied it and and, and remixed it uh, in the following decades but who wouldn't really be either describe themselves or be described as modern primitives and there's lots of people in the book as i said who don't fit into that gap so um but on that note, I mean, before so that's came out in 1989, and Mushafar had been, you know, doing it this stuff um, privately uh, through the 40s and 50s and 60s, and, and revealed himself to the world as Fakim Mushafar in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but earlier than that, you know, there were again tattooers who were starting to draw upon these styles. The most interesting of which is someone we've also talked about a lot, Cliff Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, old Chuck Ingram taught by Sammy Stewart um, Cliff actually says uh, in, in an article that he wrote um, back in 1981 um, something that I think probably resonates with what you're saying with western civilization crumbling down around our ears what could be so bad about putting on a little war paint <laughs> right and it's like it's also this idea. This is, this is Tom's called uh, socio cultural corner. Is that like this idea that civilization as we think of it doesn't really exist? That it is something that is constantly in decay and never in growth. It's like the there is always like you know civilization as we know it is will never provide enough like kind of substantive reason for existence so you have to like grasp at other things so it's like oh well like these people in you know the jungles of borneo they have it figured out 